You're listening to Zen Sandwich, a podcast for the independent mind and anyone who embraces life despite its absurdities. Join former attorney and professor turned Japanese papermaker Mark Reed each week as he talks with creative, inspiring, and influential people, or as he shares his own research to help make your world a little better today than it was yesterday. Hey, here we are. My guest today is uh, right up the alley of what we do here on Zen Sandwich, even if he takes a somewhat different approach. Um, I, I like his approach. It, he uses a metaphor, a very specific metaphor you're about to hear about um, to provide life lessons for people. Jim Jacobs is the author of the book Driving Lessons for Life and the very soon to be released sequel Driving Lessons for Life 2. He's a, a professional speaker, a counselor, a life coach, an entrepreneur, He's a licensed clinical social worker. He's worked for the past 20 years assisting individuals, married couples, families, and groups to overcome life challenges, find greater happiness, and realize their dreams. It's an honor to have him on the program. Uh, like I said, a lot of what he talks about in the books mirrors what, what I discuss here, uh, even if we use a slightly different language to do so. We'll discuss some of that. Welcome, Jim Jacobs. Good morning. Thank you so much for the privilege of being here. Uh, I'm just so excited. I love what you're doing and I love the positive messages and the helpful messages that uh, inspire me and, and help me be better and feel grateful to be a guest. Yeah, well, same. When I was reading your, your book, I was like, yes, yes, yeah, exactly. You know, like it was just, it, it pays to reinforce those messages. You know, I, uh, I put out uh, positive messages on social media and I read other people's social, uh, positive messages. And, you know, sometimes I think like, well, am I really doing anything with this or am I just like getting motivated for 30 seconds and then forgetting it? But I actually think that the sort of consistent reinforcement of positive messages, it, it, it has a lasting effect on all of us, you know? For sure. And, and that was really the fun idea behind this book. Um, you know, statistics say that the average person spends about 25 hours a week in a car driving. And I just had this crazy idea. Um, I think we all like to get together and talk about what happens in the car. Somebody cut us off, construction, whatever. And I had this idea of attaching a life lesson to it. So not only would you get a lesson creatively from uh, a driving experience, but that it would be something that would be reinforced every time you had that same experience again on the road. And that's what people tell me. That's been the most exciting thing about writing this in this way is that people tell me, oh my gosh, it works. I remember it every time I have that experience on the road. So, so it's, a, it's a fun way to uh, approach maybe a similar topic of improving our lives. Yeah, it's, it's very clever. <clears throat> in fact, uh, you know, I like how you tie so much into, I mean, I would have never imagined that you could tie driving, learning how to drive and just driving in your adult life so much. I mean, from turning on the blinker to, uh, you know, don't use the, don't honk your horn unless you have to, uh, you know, there's so much that you can tie into life lessons. I, I thought it was, it was very clever. Can you go through some of that? Of You know, I, I read through the book and, uh, but just for the listener, like how you use different aspects of driving a car to, to equate that to lessons that you can learn and adapt for life. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's been fun. 
Um, I just really think that so much of what's happening on the roads when we're driving parallels what's happening in the real world. We're distracted. Uh, we're staring at screens and phones instead of uh, paying attention to the road. We are speeding through marriages. <laughs> we're speeding through relationships. Uh, we're merging into people's lives without paying any attention to what we're doing. Um, I think uh, maybe this all really actually started because of my first experience with driving uh, as a 16 year old learning how to drive, trying to get my learner's permit as quick as possible. And my stepfather took me out to a large parking lot and he parked the car. <laughs> and before he would give me the keys, he said, hey, I want to let you know that a car is just a car. And I was so frustrated, just like, I just want to drive. I don't want to have a lecture. But then he taught me about how a car, uh, the purpose of a car was to get us from one place to another. And that became one of the first driving lessons for life, I think, so young uh, at 16, where I began to see, well, things have a purpose. And oftentimes uh, marketers try to influence by saying this particular product will make our life better or change our life or improve our life but real purpose in life come from the people and the relationships and the connections we have a car is just a car um, but relationships are are where we find the most joy and uh, pursuing a path of peace and and hope and uh, purpose for ourselves is where we produce joy so i think that was probably the first uh, kind of subtle driving lessons for life planted in my head yeah i love that 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 stuff's in the first chapter and uh i i love that that a car is it's just a car. It's just a, a means to get from point A to point B. And, uh, and, uh, I, I think you just, uh, restated what, uh, what I wanted to bring up about that particular chapter was that things are just things, but that real living and real life experience comes from people, it, it, you know, the experiences. And, uh, I think you, you phrased it like doing good, doing good for others or whatever. Yes. Yeah. For sure. I mean, I, you know, are we driving our lives or are our lives really driving us? You know, are we choosing what roads we go down? One of my favorite chapters and sections in the new book that I wrote, I, I ended up coming up with four chapters on merging because <laughs> just this idea of how do we connect with other people? And I don't know if you've had this experience, but I have this highway that I have to get on every day to go to work. And and this merging process just has produced so much insights as to how we view like not too long ago, I'm driving and I'm, I'm, in the, I'm in the lane I'm supposed to be in and I'm going the way I'm supposed to go. And I knew the lady saw me. I, I, I saw her look over her shoulder and see me, but she proceeded to just barrel her truck right into my lane as if I wasn't there. And I literally had to swerve, swerve and slam on the brakes. And too many of us are showing up for our work lives and our personal lives in that same way, pretending like we don't see people, pretending like we don't need people. Um, you know, life comes from these quality relationships that we have with other people and the kindness that we show and the caring that we give. And we need to watch the way we merge into each other's worlds. Um, and sometimes we just speed on with no thought, with no consideration and no care. Yeah, there's there's another chapter. It was later in the book that I I really liked, uh, and it spoke to me because because I, I do it, and I I don't um I'm not I don't say that to say hey I'm I'm doing life better than other people, but uh, it it had to do with um you got somebody tailgating on you, and uh, you know it, you talked about you know you you'll see bumper stickers that say uh, I break for tailgaters, which basically is implying like if you're going to tailgate me, I'm going to slam on my brakes so that you'll either have to slam on your brakes or you might even hit me or whatever. And you discuss like, 
just pull over and let them pass and just let them go on out of your life basically. And I do that. You know, I, if somebody is tailgating me, I'm like, you're in a bigger hurry than I am for whatever reason. It might be a good reason. It might not be a good reason, but whatever, you're in a bigger hurry than me. I'm just going to pull over and let you just drive on past me and out of my life. But I know people that it infuriates them and it, and they, then they'll drive extra slow or they'll, you know, they'll just do something to kind of get back at that person. And I think not only is that silly and maybe even dangerous, but it, it also, you kind of allowed that person to live in your head rent free. You've allowed them to, I mean, yeah, people are going to be inconveniences in our life sometimes. And maybe they're going to be rude about it. It is rude to tailgate someone. It is. It's going to happen. Some people don't, you know, or they're either oblivious or they don't care. And, you know, people are going to tailgate you in on the road of life. Just pull over and let them go. Yeah. I, I mean, one of my favorite lines that I say from the first book is life becomes so much easier for all of us when we just let people in or we let them pass. And the second book, I build on that theme again, too, which is how about if we just try kindness? Um, if someone, you know, we don't know the reason why that person waited till the last minute to merge over or why they need to get in our lane, or maybe we don't even know why that person who's tailgating us, maybe they're on the way to the hospital um, mm-hmm. because they got that emergency call that their, their son got hurt. Or, you know, it's just so much easier to just let people go, let them in. I, I, I think I said in that chapter too, that like here you're letting somebody behind you dictate your forward progress like right. someone behind you is slowing you down when you do this rather than move over let them go and we're all free to keep moving and keep going um, and we do that in our lives too much too we're, we're angry at each other there's probably never been a time in our world where there was so much bitterness and contention like let's try kindness we all feel better when we do it <clears throat> yeah you had a another great story say so again i i didn't I was so surprised at how far the metaphor can stretch in so many different ways. You had a story about a guy, I think you were in the car with your daughter and, uh, and you were, you were going to turn or something. You didn't turn. I don't know. The guy got really mad and you looked in your rear view and he's just uh-huh. going crazy. And then he finally like speeds around you and then he pulls up to the next traffic light and you're right behind him. You know, it's like, yep. he didn't really gain anything by all that frustration and anger and you know yeah i mean he was just out of control of himself and i remember frankly being scared and checking the locks on the door simply because when the light turned yellow and then turned red i decided to stop and be careful and not speed through the intersection like so many do and yet he just lost control and and too much of that's going on too the greatest control is self-control as we learn to discipline ourselves to say Hey, am I really going to let somebody I don't know in a, you know, that, that interaction couldn't have been more than a couple minutes. Um, and certainly it didn't inconvenience him any more than the next traffic light he had to wait at because he hurried so fast and he really, you know, kind of going nowhere fast and angrily. Well, um, I want to talk about, uh, about social media. You, uh, you brought it up on another podcast I, I heard you on and, um, and I agree it, uh, it it's it's just to it well it goes to the point that you mentioned earlier about are we controlling our lives or are we letting other things control our lives and mm-hmm. you know it I don't even think it's it's arguable that social media is controlling 
lots of people's lives these days. I mean, there are people, young people, old people, so many people are just glued to their phone. People go to a restaurant, a family will go to a restaurant and you'll see like a family of four and everyone's face is in their cell phone. Yeah. And uh, that's sad. And uh, so how should we manage our social media lives? I mean, should we put a time limit on it or yeah, what, give us a kind of, uh, uh, some help. <laughs> How do we put the phone down? It's a great, great question. And I don't know that I even have the, the right, <laughs> right answers or the best answers for it. Uh, you probably know that one of my taglines is we'll never end distracted driving until we end distracted living. Mm. And I'll often talk to groups and say, you know, we so love the walking dead because it's us. Cause we're staring at our phone. And like you said, I've gone to a restaurant with my wife and seen a couple all dressed up. They look amazing. And they're presumably there to celebrate an anniversary or an occasion or something like that. And they're paying all this money for this wonderful dinner and they're staring at their phones. Um, I know a, a lot of people do set limits. I love that my, my cell phone has an op option of setting a time limit for different apps on social media. I know a lot of people find that. Many people have heard me speak about that a couple times a year. I'll take a media holiday. Um, I write for Biz Catalyst 360, and every year from November until the new year, um, they stop publishing things, um, and they just reproduce old content so that we can take a break. So we step away from the writing during the holidays. Um, so taking a break, uh, I think you must have listened to the podcast with Terry, where both of us discovered that we each ditched our phones from our bedrooms and went to like the thrift store and bought an old fashioned alarm clock <laughs> so that we wouldn't be staring at our phones at nighttime when we could have quality time with our spouse or we could write in our gratitude journals. So I think all of us need to probably do an evaluation, if you will, of what we uh, allow into our minds and how much time we're spending on these things. You know, digital interactions are replacing personal interactions, and that's not without consequence on people, on relationships, and the pandemic stuff just made it worse because right. we amplified it. And, and we need to kind of really take time to set our phones down and stare into the faces of the people we love. One way, I think the best way to evaluate this is just to ask the person that you love the most, mm. how do you feel about how I use my media and time that I spend on my media? And if they give you some feedback that hurts just a little bit, that they wish that you would look into their face a little bit more or they would put your phone down, you know, that that's good feedback to, to get. Like we, we need to learn not to be slaves uh, to the technology. Let's let it be our servant rather than our master. Yeah, exactly. I, I, um, I think that's a great first step. Like evaluate, you know, first evaluate how, how much do you, how much time? I think people would be surprised if they actually, became conscious of the literal amount of time that they spent on a given day in a, you know, a, a, let's say they're, they sleep for eight hours and are awake for 16 out of a 24 hour day. Uh, how much of that 16 hours is spent on social media? I, yeah. I think a lot of people would be shocked. So evaluate, ask a spouse, ask somebody that, that observes you. Uh, I think that is a great first step. And you talked about, um, uh, I think in the podcast you called it like going on a media fast that you do yeah. it like twice a twice a year. I literally do it almost once a month. I, I maybe I don't fast as long as you do, but I will. I'll just step away for a couple of days and uh, and I, it's I don't schedule it necessarily. I just when I feel it and and it does it. It almost happens once a month or it 
you know, the longer stretch would be two months and I would certainly do it. And I just, I, I'm like, you know what? I'm tired of looking at Facebook, LinkedIn. I'm tired of looking at those, uh, those logos and I need to experience some real life. <laughs> and I just walk away. That's so enlightening to me. I love that. And, and I just think I've been in those moments. You might have a moment of anxiety when you didn't pull your phone out of your back pocket or whatever. And if we pay attention to that, we realize maybe we're using our phones to distract ourselves or to deal with stress or uh, right. to deal with pressure. I love the idea of just kind of listening and going, you know what? I kind of need to step away from this and go get engaged, go for a walk in the mountains or a nature hike or go visit with a friend you haven't seen in person for a while. I love that. Thanks yeah. for that. Sharing that idea. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, um, I, you know, I'm old enough to remember a time when, we didn't have phones in our pockets. <laughs> they were attached to a wall in our house somewhere. That was it. <laughs> I remember that too. I sometimes long for those days back because, uh, you know, some, in some ways we're married to our phones more than we're married to our spouses. Yeah. Uh, we need to step away. Uh, it's again, it's not without consequence that, digital interactions have replaced, you know, personal, meaningful, you know, we're hardwired as human beings for connection and relationships. And when we stop getting that from actual people, uh, it, it, it affects our, our mood and our emotions. It affects our tempers. It affects our, our, our discipline and our self-control. Um, it's not without consequence. And the research is creepy on what it's doing to the younger generations who that's their world. <laughs> yeah. That's all they, that's all they know, actually. Yeah. You know, that's, I mean, they, they literally, some of, you know, the, the younger, the youngest generation, uh, the, that are young adults now, I mean, that's the world that they were born and grew up in. Well, uh, uh, at the end of, uh, each episode, I do a segment called five minutes in and, uh, and it's, it's nothing religious. It's, uh, I just, um, I talk about mindfulness and being present in the moment. And one of the things I talk about, on the program sometimes is uh, letting go of the past. Actually, I use a car metaphor and you can use this if you come out with a part three on the book, because I, I don't think <laughs> you've got this, you. <laughs> this specific metaphor, but I actually use, this is the one time I do use a car metaphor. I describe um, life and being present in the moment. It's impossible to constantly live in the present moment, right? I mean, you're going to have sure. a, you're going to have a memory, you know, it's, it's unrealistic. And so people who just say, Oh, you've got to live in the present moment. You've got to live in the present moment. Okay. That's fine. But you can't realistically do it 100% of the time. You know, we're not a dog or a cat that's just constantly right. living in the very moment you're in. Uh, but what we can do is we can uh, have intentional thoughts and we can, you know, we'll have some self-control over our thoughts and our minds and, the car metaphor I use is think about it like you're driving a car. The rear view mirror is small. You know, it's small for a reason. You know, you don't need to spend most of your time looking behind you. You might need to check every once in a while to check what's behind you and what's coming up or any dangers that are still lurking back there. But for the most part, that's a small element and you need to be looking out the windshield and you need to be paying attention to what's in front of you, but the windshield's big. You can see down the road a little bit. So it's okay to look to the future a little bit to see if there's any future uh, problems that might come up. But for the most sure. part, your attention needs to be right there in front yeah. of you. And so to get to the five minutes in question, I would like to ask you is what do we do And this? I'm tying this into the road rage thing before. Um, because when I was preparing for this, I had, <laughs> I had these flashbacks 
I still get road rage from something that happened 10 years ago. And so I want to get your two cents on that. Like, how do I, at this, there's this one moment where I was, I was going uh, through an intersection and it was a pedestrian. I know pedestrians always have the right away. I didn't run over anybody. Don't worry. But uh, it it was a weird, right. It was a weird light. Uh, This was in Syracuse, New York. And it was a weird light where one, one way would be green, but the light on the other side coming the other way would be red for whatever reason, because the, the light would turn on green and maybe there was a, le- a left green arrow. So mm-hmm. the, the oncoming direction still had a red light. Well, the pedestrian was standing on that side of the red light. And even though her pedestrian crosswalk walk sign wasn't lit up green, uh, she saw that the traffic light on her side was red. So she presumed it was red on my side too. So I'm still driving while she's still walking just literally right in front of me as I'm, so I did have to hit the brakes. I did hit my horn and she, she gives me that middle finger and, uh-huh. she, and she points up to the, the red light because on her side, it's red, yeah. not realizing that on my side, it's green. And I've, I've gone way too far in the story, but I, you know, I was sort of frozen because I didn't realize what she was pointing at until I, she had already walked past. And, and I looked in my rear view and I saw, oh, it was red on her side. So she thought it was red on my side, but it wasn't. I had the right away. Yeah. But, but I didn't get to tell her. And so <laughs> I like, I didn't get to let her know she was wrong and I was right. And so yeah. like every once in a while, this memory will pop into my head and I almost like get mad over it all over again. And that's the silliest, most ridiculous thing that I would even feel that way about something that happened 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Yeah. Okay. The five minutes in. <laughs> tell us how to, how to let go of stuff that how to not feel road rage about something, whether it's on the road or it's in life, how to not to get mad or embarrassed or whatever about something that happened 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Well, I love that. And there's a great, uh, I love, first of all, the rear view mirror and the windshield. You know, that windshield's probably a hundred times bigger than that rear view mirror. And it's so easy to look back and to kind of replay and rethink. I love your, you've you, you created a new driving lessons for life with that experience <laughs> with that lady. Um, you know, that's so much of what we struggle with and we hold on to is an issue of perspective. And did you hear yourself say, hey, I was right. You know, I was right and you were wrong. But from each of you owns point of view, you were both right. Like from her point of view, she saw that you had a red light or thought you had a red light. And and so she went forward. And from your point of view, you had a green light. And so much of our struggles today are when we go to I'm right, I'm right. And we both insist on being right. We see it in marriages. We see it in politics. politics we see yeah. it in just how we interact with each other as, hey, I'm right. And uh, I guess the, 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 the moment that I would add with that is in life, you can either be right or you can be happy. Mm. And if you insist on being right all the time, you'll never be happy. We need to be better at seeing other people's point of views, taking a look at things from other perspectives. Like the answer to healing in that specific situation is probably really to try and appreciate and understand her point of view. And from her point of view, she was about to be hit by a giant, you know, 6,500 pound car. And she thought, hey, I'm, I'm clear. This was my signal. It's, it's my turn to be here. 
And, and of course you were innocent too. Like I'm coming around the corner, a green light, I'm supposed to go. Mm-hmm. And you probably had your heart racing thinking I almost hit this woman and made her a hood ornament on my car. Mm-hmm. And so by, by, I think so much of what we need to do is to slow down, hit the brakes, stop running red lights, um, pay attention to yellow. Yellow was supposed to be slow down and really try to see each other's point of view and listen more than we talk get other people's perspectives because we're fighting back and forth and becoming so polarized rather than really recognizing that, you know, most of us are doing the best that we know how. And so let's be generous and let's be kind and let's try to see each other's point of view. Yeah. I, well, hey, you, you're preaching to the choir. I love that message. And um, that that's a great one. If, if you get it, if you take something home uh, from this episode, it's that right there. Think about, the other person think about the other point of view well jim uh so the second book it comes out soon right yeah the official virtual book release is november 2nd so that's just next tuesday uh, the book is available on amazon it's also available at driving lessons for life dot com um, it's actually cheaper there than on amazon uh, it's available in audio ebook and beautiful hardcover uh, great Christmas presents. Uh, it's fun. The driving lessons for life are fun. It's a fun and refreshing way to 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 learn new things and to become better. So I, I hope if people are interested, they'll look up my website, drivinglessonsforlife.com. Uh, consider purchasing a book. Um, and uh, and I would I just appreciate your support and the opportunity to to hear you talk about what I've read and and apply it in your own life. And, and I believe it's a fun way to ditch the old self-help approaches that are kind of boring and the same thing and do something in a fun and different way. Yeah. I, um, I'll even add to that. Uh, I, I sort of have an opinion about uh, like self-help genre books that I think they actually should be written the way that you've written yours in that each chapter is short. Uh, like it's, I mean, and, and the book's not short. I mean, there's lots of material there, but you know, I think that there's like 50 chapters in this, uh, in the second one. The second book, and, yeah. Yeah. And, but like, it's really almost like re- reading a, a, you know, I don't want to say a daily devotional, but like, you know, just getting up and, you know, you do read it in the first thing in the morning. It's like a page and a half or maybe two pages. Some of them go a little longer, but, uh, but some of them might be like a single page. And yeah. I feel like that genre you know, if I'm reading War and Peace, I, I want to I want to sit down and read for four hours straight. But if I'm reading like a kind of self help thing, I think because I want to digest the the lesson, I, I don't want to read like twenty pages of stuff. Yeah. There might be five or ten lessons in those twenty pages, and I want to stop on each lesson. And I, so I, I really like the way you parsed it up that way. So. And most people tell me that's how they read it. I even got a comment from a family uh, with a bunch of teenagers who said they read one chapter every night before they said prayers to go to bed and they go to teach their kids. And their hope was their kids would learn something about driving, but they also had the hopes that they would learn something about better living at the same time. And so, yeah, they're short, easy chapters. They're easy to digest. Most people tell me that they read, you know, one chapter a night or a couple chapters. And that was the whole idea to create a quick lesson, make it connected to something that you do every day so that not only would you get the lesson, but you'd get the reminder of the lesson every time you got out on the road on the car. That's awesome. Well, I will, uh, I'll put all the links in the show notes. You know, I'll, I'll link to the website, uh, jmrjacobs.com. You can also go to, uh, is it driving lessons for life.com? It'll send you to the same place. And, um, and 
I'll direct them there first since they can get the book there cheaper. Uh, but I'll also let them know they can get it on Amazon as well. And, you betcha. Uh, it, it, the, is there any social media where they can follow you? I, get, I know on LinkedIn. Uh, yeah, please um, follow me on Facebook or LinkedIn. Um, there's also a Driving Lessons for Life page on Facebook. Um, please, yeah, follow us there. there. We post inspirational stuff. We post little life lessons, driving lessons for life, uh, information on improving your relationships. Uh, some of the stuff we talked about here, dealing with blame and shame, road rage, those kind of things. There's all kinds of new content all the time being posted there. Awesome. Well, uh, and follow us as well. If you like this episode or any other episode of Zen Sandwich, consider going to patreon.com slash Zen Sandwich. Give us a buck, give us three bucks. And uh, if, you, if you become a patron, I will send you a uh, handmade postcard. I, uh, my wife and I, we make Japanese paper washi and we, uh, we make a lot of different stuff, but one of the things we make is postcards. And uh, if uh, for Patreon supporters, I send them a postcard. Jim, I'd like to just send you a postcard as a thank you for coming on to the show. So at, once we get off air here, I'll get an address and I'll, uh, I'll send you a handmade uh, washi postcard. Thanks for what you're doing at Zen Sandwich. I love the content. I love the inspiration. I love the new way of approaching a lot of different topics, but getting kind of to the same core. It's, for, it's really well done, and I appreciate the opportunity to be with you today. Thanks, Jim. It's been a blast. <laughs>